And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to Spin Rate, your Toronto Blue Jays podcast here at The Athletic. My name is Drew Fairservice. Spring training is in full swing. It's time to go. Today is, uh, what, March the 23rd, I believe? And the spring training, Grapefruit League, a weird version of Grapefruit League, but Grapefruit League nonetheless, is well underway. I'm excited. You're excited. There's lots of stuff to talk about. Lots of people signed arbitration contracts today, pre-arbitration contracts, deals, lots of positional battles. It's time. It's time to talk about baseball. There's still transactions in the not-so-distant future. It's It's a great time to be a baseball fan. It's a great time to be a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays because if you are and you subscribe to The Athletic, it means you get to read the work of Caitlin McGrath. Not only does she cover the Toronto Blue Jays for The Athletic, she is a co-host of this show, Spin Rate, and she's here with me right now. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. Here with you this week from my apartment in Toronto because I'm back home for a little bit. That's right. You were in downtown Florida last time we spoke. (laughs) Now you are in the east end of Toronto, Yeah. um, which is uh, different than Florida. Yeah. Although it feels kind of Florida like, not that it's warm, but it's really windy right mm, now in Toronto. Mm. I feel like hot- it's like hurricane force winds happening. I live kind of on an upper floor in my apartment building. So sometimes the wind gusts can get really loud up here. And uh, yeah. I miss that. I used to I used to live on the 16th floor and I miss the sound of apocalyptic wind. <laughs> Just convincing myself that by some fluke of, of physics, like the chairs or whatever was on my balcony was going to somehow blow up and out and be flying around like a like the scene in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but it never happened. I never was so lucky. But wow. we are lucky to have you back from Florida safely, back uh, in your Toronto home, ready to talk about the Blue Jays. I mentioned if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can read everything that Caitlin writes. If you wanted to do that, you should go to theathletic.com slash spinrate and subscribe to The Athletic. Let them know that we sent you. Get all that good stuff from Caitlin, from all the national folks. If you want to read Ken Rosenthal, you want to read Andy McCullough, everybody's talking about everything. The Blue Jays are going to be a hot topic of conversation this year because they're really goddamn good. So all the good people at The Athletic are going to train their sights on the Blue Jays whenever they can. And if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do that. Whether or not you subscribe to The Athletic, while, of course, I think that you should. Wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Overcast, Stitcher, Podbean, subscribe to the show. If you have the option, hit us with a rating. A good one. If you are feeling charitable, give us a review. Let's people, let's those algorithms know that people are listening, people are engaging with this content with a capital C. Helps the show. More people listening, again, keeps us living in the style to which we've grown accustomed, which is one with listeners. We are used to having people listen. The, the good people of the athletic like it when people listen. Keeps us going. So with all that out of the way, let's talk, let's talk turkey. Let's talk business. 
I guess we can talk. Uh, that's sort of the thing at the top of top of mind. Uh, all the ARB deals were done, and then of course the pre-ARB deals. I, I don't know if there's a, a big headline. Um, the Blue Jays avoid going avoided um, going to arbitration itself with all of their players, including signing an. I would say it's a pretty interesting deal. The two year. I mean, I mean, as interesting as an arbitration kind of uh, uh, not not quite rubber stamp. I mean. Matt Chapman signs a two-year, $25 million deal with the Blue Jays, which will see him out to his free agency. I don't think it's unexpected to sign a deal like that with, a, with an established player in this situation. I think two years, 25, that's, a, that's a, decent, a decent deal, I think, for Chapman in terms of what he was maybe projected to get. I think he was projected to earn around nine or 10 this year, and it sort of breaks out as, what is it? Is it 12 per season? 12 per season with a $1 million signing bonus, I believe, is mm-hmm. how they've broken it out, which I think is, a, for him, he, that's that's a good deal. And for the Blue Jays, that's as much breakout insurance as you could ever ask for. Because if he comes back and has a huge year, they still have they have him locked in at a, at a reasonable price. And everybody in the greater Toronto area, downtown Florida and otherwise, are hoping for a big year from Matt Chapman. What what do you make of this deal? Which, again, not quite a rubber stamp, but but there's something there. Yeah, I mean, firstly, I think just about all the arbitration deals, I think this year, especially if a team was looking to, you know, settle with most players, this was a good year to do it, or all players, I should say, because unlike other years, the um, the actual hearings will be happening in season. And I think we all know, like we've all heard stories, and, and those hearings can be a bit tense. You know, usually the team is making uh, a... a or explaining for why they don't want to play, pay a player as much. And they're sort of, um, you know, really criticizing his numbers and it can and be kind of tense. And and we've seen um, situations where players come out kind of upset from it. And so I think that, you know, on the one hand, it's part of the business. It's part of the process. It's, it's how they do things in baseball. Um, and that's just how it goes. And so, you know, maybe some players just recognize that's just how it plays out. It's nothing personal. But I do think like this year, especially, especially with some of their guys in their first year of arbitration, Vlad, of course, and a few other guys, Kevin Biggio as well. Um, just getting those done before the season, I think is ideal. You don't want that hanging over people's heads um, in season. But in terms of the Chapman deal, obviously that was the big thing that came out of it. I mean, the number is good. I agree with you. It's a pretty fair number. Um, and I think the most important part of it is that it just gives the Blue Jays that cost certainty that I think they're trying to do more and more. Um, we've seen them moving towards that, you know, with the Barrios extension, for example, like um, knowing how much he's going to cost them for the next seven years as opposed to um, – not knowing if he would be around um, with the the Chapman deal, it gives you, you know, you knew he was going to be here for these two years, but at least you know how much he's going to cost, especially next year. Um, if you're looking ahead and saying um, maybe it's not necessarily the Vlad or the Bo extension that you're getting done next year, um, although that could be on the table, but there's also Teoscar Hernandez to consider, right? Like that's coming up and that's going to be a number that you're going to have to work around. And so the more that you can establish what your payroll is going to be, the more certain you can go to guys and say, you know, we can give you this, we can give you this. And I think like as the Blue Jays become a team that is spending more and more, um, having a greater idea of, what their budget is now and in the future is only going to help them continue to be a team that can spend and and continue to be a team that can budget accordingly and, and get the guys that they want on the team um, for the the deals that they want and can afford. 
Yeah, it's it's um, it's easy to just take the MLB trade rumors projections that the Matt Schwartz calculates and kind of plug them in and go. But number number one, these are real people. These are real, you know, these players are are in there, and and especially in your first time through um, arbitration, or if you're a player like a Trent Thornton or Ryan Barucki, where you're not um you're not you know earning vlad 7.9 million dollars or whatever like those that $25,000 here $50,000 there makes it, it's a, that's a big that's a difference right like that's a significant um um difference in in what you can earn i think that the one of the ones that jumps out at me actually a couple of them Kevin Biggio um settled for like that was number was well above what MLB trade rumors uh, projected so it's interesting to see you know what was it that the team saw that that thought yeah we can we can um, we can go a little bit higher, and Danny Jansen as well, um, uh, or who earned four hundred thousand dollars more than um, than he was projected to earn by MLB trade rumors. And, and again, Teoscar Hernandez um, in his last year of our last year of arbitration, right? No, he's got two more years after this one. So uh, yeah, just a, just a, I don't know. I find it interesting. It's always it is such a black box, right? It, you know that. And again, this guy, this Matt Schwartz, who was able to unlock this thing on with, through MLB trade rumors. Um, uh, it's, it's cool that he's been able to kind of crack the code, but, uh, mm-hmm. it is a bit of a black box in terms of what it is the teams value and what the teams are paying for. And I think the biggest thing, and I've heard that Keith Law as an example say this before, it's so important for the players to know by what, by what they're being evaluated. So, so that if, if you're paying me for average and, you know, I'll, I'll hit for average. If you're paying me for RBIs and I'll try and get RBIs, but obviously that's not really not the way that the teams are going to be evaluating players anymore. So hopefully the arbitration process, uh, reflects that. Before we move on, real quick, I don't know if we were going to have talk. I mean, we were going to talk. That's our next sort of bullet point was uh, was uh, was rosterbation. I don't know if you saw uh, this, Caitlin. This the idea that Teoscar, the Blue Jays, were in semi serious trade uh, talks with the Marlins with with uh, with with Teoscar Hernandez as sort of a center point before they acquire or resigned uh, Jorge Soler. Oh, Soler, right? That's who they signed. Um, Interesting. They were like the reading, especially from from an outsider perspective. They were like, "Oh yeah, Teoscar Hernandez played a bunch of center field, so he could do that here. He's more experienced than any of the the folks the Marlins have in camp." And I was like, "Teoscar can be your center fielder." Okay, interesting. <laughs> I you know go with that, run with it. But you know it, it he is at now at ten point six million dollars, and you have to start to wonder if 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 this is might be his last season as a Blue Jay. If he's maybe kind of pricing himself out of their plans or. Uh, you got coming off a career year. Uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, what what lies ahead for Teoscar. I mean, obviously he's going to be the rivalry day right fielder for the Blue Jays, I assume. But uh, but maybe this is his last year as a, as a Toronto Blue Jay. Oh well, wouldn't he have two more seasons? Well, but I'm saying if they would trade. Oh, him. you're saying if they're trading him because if he's at 10.6 now. So again, so he's a guy that that agreed to a, a number at yeah, six hundred thousand dollars like, above. I guess I would just. I mean, the Blue Jays don't have – if there's one area the Blue Jays don't have much depth, mm-hmm. it's the outfield. So who's coming up in his place? I mean um, – You know the answer to that. You know what I'm going to say. Oh. When they signed Joey Gallo in the offseason. Oh, yeah. Okay. When they signed Joey Gallo. <laughs> is Joey Gallo – this is – yeah. So he'll be a free agent after this he'll season with the Yankees, agent. right? Yeah. 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 So I wouldn't have ordinarily thought that, but the fact that the Blue Jays were engaged in these kind of trade negotiations – uh, with the Marlins or talks, however you want to look at them, the fact that he did in fact ended up settling um, for more than he was projected. So now he's up that much closer to eleven, which means his final year of arbitration will be 
even that much more. Um, mm-hmm. According to our, your friend and mine, Blake Murphy, who, was, who had a nice thread, Blake, the king of the spreadsheets, yeah. um, looking at the Blue Jays' um, a payroll situation. He's got them right now uh, pegged at about $170 million for the year so far before they take it, if they were to take on any other salary or anything like that. So, I mean... As much as as much as uh, it is encouraging for a Blue Jays fan to watch the Blue Jays spend money, um, it's got there is the buck has to stop at some point, and and if that means that they look for some cost savings through a Teoscar Hernandez trade, I, I'm not welcoming it, but it seems like it could be something with with it, well within the uh, the realm of possibility, but not into the not until the future. He's here for this year. He's a key member of a, a very good team, and I think the Blue Jays would not well unless they had some other tricks up their sleeve. Um, which, of course, they ended up making the move for Matt Chapman to fill the third base role, which was some of the talk with, that they were doing with the Marlins. Um, um, they need Tay Oscar Hernandez for 2022. So They need him for the vibes. They need him for the vibes. So, so, so uh, we're, we are jumping around a little bit. But, but speaking of vibes, there's a name, uh, the, the anti-vibes, the oh, least no. <laughs> vibesiest name of all time, uh, has been attached to the Blue Jays a little bit, and that's Brett Gardner. Uh, I talked myself into it. Really? A little bit today. He kind of does the things that you would need him to do, right? He hits left, yeah. and he can play center field, and he can do it decently. Look, the Blue Jays need someone who can play center field. Sometimes. George yeah. Springer's not going to spend 150 days out there. Yeah. So you got Randall Gritchick, mm-hmm. and then what? Throw Biggio out there. Biggio in center field? That is, <laughs> I, you know, I, would, I wouldn't... I think I, think I would he, say crazier things have happened. I don't think he has the arm strength to play center field, but I'm not a, I'm not a, a guru in that in that fee, in that realm. But I mean, I it would be nice. Brett Gardner is no, I can't even pretend. He's he, he's like he's a tough at bat usually yeah, on, yeah. on the left side. So he was it, blo- it would it would be mm-hmm. a good compliment to their lineup in terms of like what he would deliver and what they're kind of looking for. But um, the uh, I guess part of it is the, I don't know that he would even come here. I guess if they're no. going to pay him, he would come here. But it seems like he's waiting for the Yankees to bring him back. He definitely is. It definitely seems like he's waiting for the Yankees to bring him back. Uh, the Yankee play. I don't know if I, I read a story today in like the New Jersey paper. I think Brandon uh, Cutie is the, is the the guy who covers the the Yankees yeah. for this this paper. And um, it seems like the Yankee players are waiting for him to come back. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's waiting to come back. There's a little bit of image rehab going in this story, but like how all oh, they all love him and he's like a real father figure. And he taught me how to be a Yankee. And there, there was one line in there where it's like he walked up to to Clint Fraser and um, Esteban Florville, guys. He was like, "You guys should be playing." He's like, "I'm in the lineup today, but you guys should be playing. Let's pick it up." Like motivating them by being like, "You're getting beat by me. Look at me. I'm bald and old. How can you get beat by me?" But Maybe the Blue Jays need that. Maybe that's what Randall Gritchick needs. Someone to someone to be like, look at me, I'm miserable. I hate everything. And I'm <laughs> taking you, I'm eating your lunch. But how does that make you feel, buddy? <laughs> Who knows? I can't see it. I can't see Brent, Brett Gardner playing for anyone but the Yankees. Yeah. Call me call me crazy. I could call me. It crazy. would be fun if he came and like started bashing the dugout and throwing his helmet and you Doing know all that miserable red ass shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but maybe maybe the Blue Jays would convert him. Maybe like the vibe he'd put on the Blue Jays uh, home run jacket, and it would just overtake him. All all the bad va- <laughs> all the bad vibes would just like you know spew out, and he'd just be overtaken by the Blue Jays' good vibes. T. Oscar would teach him his ways. 
what, what there was a story about him a few years back where like he had, he was, might've been joining the team at, like he had been rehabbing and he was coming to join the team and he just drove and he had a rental car or something. And it was like a six or seven hour drive that he, that he had to make. And he got like three quarters of the way there. And then he realized that the radio was broken. Like he was driving in, in like silence, just like <laughs> miserably driving on. I can't see the vibes uh, uh, converting him. I, I would be surprised. It, it would be great. It would be like a, uh, like a movie where like all suddenly going from wearing like drab gray colors to wearing, uh, you know, fluorescent <laughs> gowns and then suddenly dancing all over the place. I can't see that, but uh, it, it feels like he, it's a good match. Look, you can say what you want about Brett Gardner. Uh, Brett Gardner's career wins above replacement are higher than Jose Bautista's. So he is had played at at a high level for the Yankees for a really long time. Mm-hmm. He is a true Yankee. I mean, we're we're talking about uh, when 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 or how many statues are they going to build of Jose Bautista? <laughs> and Brett Gardner won the World Series in 2009. He's the last member of that of that group still kicking around, I guess. So. I can't see it happening, but it is kind of fun to think about. It makes a lot of people upset. Let me tell you, when you tweet about it, people are like, nope, absolutely not. Don't put that evil in the world. But nevertheless. It would be funny. We'll be right back with more Spin Rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Short of signing Brett Gardner or <laughs> trading away Teoscar Hernandez, there are still quite a few kind of roster battles and positional things that are going to take shape. Uh, not insignificantly was the announcement of the roster increase. Do you, can you, I, I need you to help me with this, Caitlin. What are the, give me the details of the roster increase. Not, not like exacting details. It's 28, right? Yeah, I don't know that it's even been released officially yet because I think mm. there's like a vote where they have to, I don't know, approve it. But I think it's been sort of like reported that these are going to be the thing. It was it was along with like they reported um, the that ghost like the Ghost Runner, Runner is coming. Yeah, exactly. That's and the Shohei back. Otani rule. The Shohei Otani rule. Yes, and so I think this was like April expanded rosters to 28. I think the only thing to note of that is that I believe that that is unlimited pitchers um, within that 28. Because, I mm. mean, the, realistically, the reason why you're expanding rosters is mostly for the pitchers because mm. uh, they're not going to be built. So you're probably going to need a few more to get through games, especially early on. So it wouldn't really make sense. Um, I mean, I guess they could cap it at something, but with 28, you're not going to get, um, you know, you're not going to get more than 14, 15 pitchers probably on a team, um, depending on how they break it down. But, but um it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, I don't know if this this pitcher limit, this is an, a bit of an aside, but that 13 
pitcher limit rule has been so it was supposed to be in place in 2020 and obviously mm-hmm. got lifted in 2020 given the circumstances of that season 2021 again they didn't put it in place because similar circumstances um especially to start early on and then this year again it's uh, so it's it, they put in that rule years ago and we've still not seen it in place and i i think in particular it's not a rule the blue jays love because they tend to be a team that carries extra pitchers they like to have a nine-man bullpen as opposed to an eight mm. um it's usually the way they've started or and they they've typically um had that extra arm in there mm-hmm. um and so I, I don't think it's a rule that they would particularly love. And so for ne- yet another year, at least to start, they're going to be able to have to bulk up that bullpen a little bit mm-hmm. um, and, and have a few extra arms, which I think helps them quite a bit. Because I think when I was doing my roster projection, which I did a couple days ago, and I I stuck to 26 just because mm. didn't know. And it's a good thought experiment to do it first at, at 26 because then if the next time I do it, I can do it at 28. And so some of those guys that I was like on the fence about, I can say, okay, like I think they'll do this now because they have a few extra spots. But um, I, I think it does let them let the Blue Jays off the hook a few for a few different reasons, which I'm sure we can get into now. But I mean, one of the big things is perhaps you carry three catchers for a little bit and um, sort of figure out that scenario a little bit down the road. And I think also it helps you – maybe figure out what to do with Nate Pearson to start. Um, and also maybe it helps you get like a Julian Merriweather and a David Phelps in your bullpen. Um, when maybe if it was just down to 26, you might have had to make a decision about some of those pitchers and who to keep and and who might start elsewhere. There are there are quite a few guys. Like Merriweather as a name. Um, yeah. Taylor Sacedo is a guy who like – I think Taylor Sassilo pitched pretty well last year. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like, there's, I think, six names that are like shoe ins, like, they'll be in the bullpen, mm-hmm. right? You have like Jordan Romano, Tim Meza, um, Yimi Garcia, uh, Trevor Richards, Adam Simber, mm-hmm. Ross Stripling. Those are the yeah. six. Mm-hmm. And with Pearson kind of in there as well. Pearson, well, then Pearson, you would counted be... him as a starter, sort of, in your. I counted piece. him kind of as both yeah. in the sense of like, I think. My opinion is just like I'm of in the camp of like I really think I don't see much upside in starting him in AAA. I, I get the argument that you want to keep him stretched out and like you know you want to exhaust um, using him as a starter. I get it, but he's got nothing left to prove in AAA, and I, I don't see a huge upside in stashing him there. Um, just throw him on the major league roster and send him out there for two innings. They're going to score a ton of runs. Let him walk the ballpark a few times, and then you know that that's who he is. And then you can make a plan based on his success or failure because I think at some point you need to be able to, like, make a decision, right? And I think that that there's no no value in kicking the can down the road more and more and more and more other than, you know, you want to give a guy as much runway as possible, but also, like, you got to know at some point. So, like, let's, let's see if we can find out. Yeah. But yeah, like your your the the depth piece of yours, like again beyond that big six and a half, 
there are some interesting names there. Meriwether being one, Sasato being another. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Baraki, uh, I think, is another interesting case because of the no options left. Right. So that was something I think Scott Mitchell from TSN tweeted about today or yesterday. Like, expect to see a lot more Ryan Baraki talk. A lot, a lot, a lot more like, not, I don't know, he's under the microscope, but people are going to be paying attention because, as you said, he is under the, on, he is out of options and he's mm-hmm. the kind of guy that will never get through, right? You'll never be able to smuggle him down to the mm-hmm. minor leagues. So, it's a really, it's really important for Ryan Barucki to be able to come in and and be effective, which he was at times last year. Um, he gets killed by right-handed hitters, right? He gets yeah. destroyed. He doesn't have an option against them for whatever reason. I guess if he's if his uh, slider doesn't work against righties and he doesn't can't make a make a off-speed pitch work, um, it's trouble. So you know there was there's been some good talk or good uh, vibes and all news is good news in spring training, but people talking about his. Um, his fastball and his velocity and stuff, but to me, that's never been the issue, right? It's how is mm-hmm. what what's he going to use to get right handed pitcher, right handed batters out? Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, and, and and I think like again, th- this is one of the benefits for the Blue Jays with the twenty eight is I don't I don't think you need to make that Ryan Barucki decision until May at this point. You know, I think that it's just it's safe enough to keep him on the roster. You have two extra spots, a guy like Taylor Sacedo, he's still got options. So it doesn't, um, it doesn't hurt to start him in the minors. And then, you know, if Barucky is not working out and the Blue Jays do have to make that decision. Yeah. Then Sacedo is that next lefty. That's probably your option that you would go to see what he can do. And, um, you know, it's interesting too. I mean, like we have to also remember the options is different this year. It's only five, Mm -hmm. five Mm -hmm. is still a lot. The Blue Jays, there was only a couple guys that they optioned more than five times last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's going to create actually some more opportunities. And, and maybe you're just kind of spreading the options out a little bit more. But I saw some folks talking about something related to this, and that's uh, the idea of a reliever, like a Taylor Sacedo type who has options pitches a bunch at the big league level and then gets sent down because he's too tired to pitch. I wonder if that, if the, he's, so he's no good to the big league club anyway. So they send him down for 10 days or 15 days and then bring him back up. I wonder if this options thing is hopefully can put a bit of a stop to that because to me, that's not what that that's meant for. Is it right? Like, is, is that another example of like, yeah, I think it's meant to stop. Not necessarily like, yeah, I guess those kind of phantom, um, because mm-hmm. it, it's not injuries. a demotion. Like you pitched really well, but you can't pitch for us for another four days, or yeah. three days. So get out of here. Yeah. So the length of time is longer now. So teams, mm-hmm. you know, it used to just be ten days. Now it's fifteen, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like, yeah, if you can't pitch for four days, and then okay, you lose them for another, um, another few, and then you can bring them back up. It's not it doesn't hurt you as much, but mm-hmm. fifteen days is kind of stretching it. You're that's a lot more games. I guess I guess uh, well, the question then becomes like what that what does that mean How, what what are the trickle down effects of that what are the ripple effects of that so does that mean that starters are going to get more leashed does that mean we're going to see more long guys um, perhaps th- there yeah. are lots of different ways it could go I guess and and you know we'll see the innovative teams that are that are more willing to be experimental or find different ways to to run there like the Dodgers and the Rays for example have been running like thirty five man rosters for years now um, at the big league level so. It'll be interesting to see it, see that it, the way that it comes out. But obviously, you know, the Blue Jays don't have a ton of lefties in the bullpen. So if they can get something out of Ryan Barucki 
it's good for him not as an asset, but also as like a player who can contribute, right? A guy who 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 has good stuff, mm-hmm. and then and can help the team win ball games. You know, because I mean, Tim Mays is coming off a career year. Is that going to be? Is that the Tim Mays from now on moving forward? Hopefully, he pitched great. It was a great story, but it would be. I think it would be a little bit, a little bit reckless to expect another season equivalent to the one that Tim Mays had just posted. So, Ryan yeah. Brucky's a bit of a pivotal guy. He is, and um, you know, he's 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 a good guy. He's been with the team. I think he's he like put on Instagram like his 11th year in I think he might baseball. be one of the longest serving I believe current he is. Blue Jays yeah yeah I think um if you look back at like when he was drafted because I think he was drafted a year before Jansen I think Jansen might have been the next year mm. um but he's like he's been he was on the 2018 Blue Jays team mm. um not many of those guys around so um yeah so yeah I would like to obviously see him kind of find it because I think initially he he made the transition to the bullpen you know really well and he's definitely got like the weapon to do it it's as you say just kind of figuring out that um how to get right handers out more consistently um you know one of the other interesting things just to like us you know switch gears here a little bit is like a week ago or whenever it was that I was down there someone asked Ross Atkins about the roster and like how do you feel about carrying three catchers and Ross's answer was, it's not ideal with a 26-man roster. Mm-hmm. And I think today his tune completely changed when it's like, um, you know, what what, uh, what do you think about carrying three catchers with 28-man? It's like, well, oh, that could be good for us or something. I can't exactly, <laughs> I don't know, I wasn't there, so I don't exactly remember what he said. I just saw someone tweet it. But it was like mm-hmm. kind of a shift of tone. It's like, and and you know what? I mean, I read into that, like it was kind of, him, what he even said before was kind of hinting at the fact that it was like, yeah, if they if they don't expand them, then it's going to be hard to carry an extra catcher. But the fact that they they did so last year when rosters expanded in September or whatever, they carried three catchers. So it's not like unprecedented for them to do it. Um, and you know, I don't I don't know if it just kind of pushes the decision point down a month but i guess a lot can happen in a month an injury can happen a trade another another team can have an injury and so then the trade market opens up for a catcher you know um there might not Mm -hmm. be an option to trade one of their catchers right now but in a month's time if a team sees one of their catchers go down all of a sudden they're calling the blue jays and and saying you know we need Reese McGuire. We need Reese McGuire. Whatever our problem is, Reese McGuire will never be the solution. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, if you're Reese McGuire, you are happy and thankful that this is uh, this roster expansion has come because it's going to ensure you get a few more big league checks for a little bit longer. Um, mm-hmm. The Blue Jays do have a bit of a, of a roster crunch at that position, which is not a bad problem to have at all, ever. But... It gives them a lot of different uh, different options, but you know maybe maybe those options are somewhat diminished because uh, this Jose Ramirez trade talk just is it just is it maybe am I seeing only like fans talk about it more? But it just seems like it it is still kind of percolating. It's still talk. It's still bubbling along. There's talk about Cleveland Guardians scouts following Alejandro Kirk around like a little puppy dog, and 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 the the. Uh, 
the idea that the Blue Jays were still pursuing it even after acquiring Matt Chapman. And now there's talk that, that Jose Ramirez's representation is in wherever Arizona to talk with Cleveland's front office about looking about a, about a, um, about an extension. But I mean, what's Cleveland's Ross uh, payroll, like $30 million, something like that. Can they even, if they've trade Jose Ramirez for a bunch of pre, Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Let me finish my thought. If, if Cleveland trades Ramirez, they'll be running like a tw- not less than $20 million payroll, depending on what comes back. I mentioned earlier, Kevin Biggio got a little bit more money than we expected. On goes my tinfoil hat. And that's to keep, they're paying him more to keep Cleveland on the good, you know, to keep their payroll from getting too low. That's why they did it. Cleveland needs to goose their payroll. So they were like, just... Settle, settle with Biggio. Don't sweat it. We'll we'll make the deal in a little bit, but get him a couple extra mil. It'll make us look good in the eyes of the of the players' association. I've cracked the code, Caitlin. This is it. I believe it. That mm-hmm. is interesting. Do you think you're, there's anything to these, these this, this this rumors and this and this talk? Do you think the Blue Jays are still checking in on Jose Ramirez and would still consider consider making a deal now between now and opening day, for example? I'd be pretty surprised if a deal happens between Mm -hmm. now and opening day, honestly. Like, I don't see it happening. I'm still kind of skeptical that Cleveland wants to do that before opening day. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't – I mean, Zach Meisel, one of uh, our our only Cleveland Guardians writer, you know, has been writing a few things the last couple weeks. And there's just no buzz around that team right now. Um, I, I I don't know the Cleveland um, sport landscape that well, but um, the Guardians are not at the top of I, – and I know, like, football is really big there and basketball is big right now because it's in mm-hmm. season. So the Guardians are not front of mind, and I think they're also, for a lot of reasons you said about, you know, the fact that they operate a low payroll, but they have very rich owners, the fact that they tend to trade their best players before they have to pay them. Um, all these things have led to some sort of, you know, fan disillusionment with them and and that kind of thing. And so it, it feels like, you know, they have this rebrand. Um, it, it just feels like it would be a complete PR disaster if they traded Jose Ramirez, like, a, with a week to go. Maybe they don't care. Like, honestly, maybe they don't care about that. Like, I, I can – the way that they're building their team, the way they're running their team – Maybe it doesn't matter to them, but I just have a hard time seeing it happen within a week's time. I think that we will continue to hear this all throughout the season. I think it's probably more potential of happening at the trade deadline. Like it feels like Jose Ramirez is more of a trade deadline type of player to be traded as opposed to right now, Um, especially if Cleveland is not in the race whatsoever. Um I think that's when it's going to heat up again. And if I was going to make a prediction for it to happen, I would say it's going to be mid-season trade deadline acquisition as opposed to like, you know, this week or next week. But yeah, that's my feelings on it. Fans in Cleveland have every right to be disillusioned. The, the, yeah. the teams, they're the most, like they've become such a pathetic poverty mouth franchise, just running poor all the time. Uh, whether or not people come, I, I guess I don't know. Yeah, the Brown. I mean, but it, the Cleveland sporting landscape is the most miserable of all. It's LeBron, and then just misery. Like fifty mm-hmm. years of of misery outside of LeBron coming back 
and winning the one title. The, the Cavaliers this year are, are a very surprising uh, team in the, East, in the NBA's Eastern Conference, sitting in a in a playoff spot right now. Uh, yeah. you know, opening some eyes, playing great defense, blocking shots and stuff. Uh, Cleveland, the didn't. Oh, the Browns are a fucking dis- dis- disaster. They traded for Deshaun Watson. Like they should be should all pulled out and shot. Screw them all. I hope they lose. Go zero and sixteen. Um, but yeah, so there's not a lot of hype around the, around Cleveland uh, Guardians, although the, they do have have said that made the name change now, so I can go back to calling them the Guardians instead of just saying Cleveland all the time. Yes, but they've got some interesting players, and they they're like a lot of they're like the Rays that they are good at player development and they're good at finding good players and finding bargains. But it's like, but if you just threw some money behind it and have yourself a good team, it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. There have been a lot of moves, specifically in the American League this week. Um, do you, I don't know, do you think that changes anything, anything for the Blue Jays? Carlos Correa going to Minnesota, Trevor Story going to Boston. Uh, Aaron Judge is allowed to play games in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of as of today, which is uh, something of a minor miracle, um, given the way that they well, not really. Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, is a bit of a clown. Um, but uh, the, just the American League Central was looking pretty grim. So with Correa going there, um, at least it kind of ticks things up a little bit. Give maybe we'll give the White Sox a bit of a game. Yeah. Um, but story to Boston is pretty interesting. Obviously, there's a lot of like internal politics aside associated with that. But at the end of the day, the Red Sox got a good player, so that doesn't make things easier for the Blue Jays that much is for sure no it doesn't and like I mean I guess there's still questions around Boston's rotation um their bullpen as well I I I guess like we'll see how real Boston's season was I mean the season was real last year I guess we'll see how their skill translates to this year um Mm -hmm. you know if there's any regression there with that team or whatnot I mean I think the American League I I still think the Blue Jays look like one of the better teams in the American League East and the Amer- American League in general. Um, mm-hmm. The Blue Jays also got better. Like, I know we've talked about Matt Chapman, but, like, they've made that addition as well. And so they've kind of kept pace, I guess, with some of the moves that 
are going on elsewhere um, with, you know, the Red Sox and, and other teams. And I, I mean, I think you're going to see it look similar this year as it was last year in the sense that you're going to have four teams that are probably going to win more than 90 games, perhaps, you know, like. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I can see that with the Red Sox. I, I would agree with you that the Reds, it's not unfair to to wonder aloud if the Red Sox might have kind of overperformed last year. The bullpen yeah. was a little bit of a smoke and mirrors deal and they had some good, you know, a bit of surprising stuff from some of the starters. And I mean, they're the Red Sox have a, have a really strong offense mm-hmm. um, and they've only made that better by acquiring Trevor story. But there, there are more questions about the Red Sox on the whole than there are about the Blue Jays um, uh, themselves and the Yankees. I don't know that the Yankees are better than they were um, last year. The Yankees are older. They do, they still have a lot of questions about, about their uh, roster. They didn't really make any, I mean, they acquired Josh Donaldson, which is great, but Josh Donaldson is 37 years old. Josh Donaldson had a decent year last year. He's still obviously a very good player, but like they didn't do any Yankee shit. They didn't do any like really Yankee stuff, come in and splash the cash around, sign Carlos Correa, which is crazy that they didn't. Um, uh, and, and, you know, a team like Seattle, right. That was right there with the Blue Jays that, you know, the, the Seattle deserves credit for doing something to address the fact that they were they were positioned as the kind of team that typically gives back a lot of those wins you know the, mm-hmm. the teams that have those really great years where everything works and they win all the one run games and they win all the all the extra inning games and their bullpen stands on its head um those teams always give those wins back if they don't if they don't address the real significant holes that those teams have in their um in their roster and the, and Seattle's doing not everything they could. I know that a, a few Mariners fans that I follow and engage with are are really disappointed that the the Mariners, while it was great that they signed Robbie Ray, they still missed out on a lot of different free agents that could have addressed very specific holes in their team. And Texas, of course, spent lots of money, but they're still quite a ways away from being real good. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, the, the Blue Jays offense, I mean, like, the, the other day against, they played play the Yankees um, spring training, and obviously it wasn't, the Yankees A squad by any means, but uh, did not look like a fun offense to face. I think it was Jordan Montgomery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was, what is that like rollover rule where they can leave an inning, but then come back. So unpleasant day for him. <laughs> well, I guess one of the stories was like he had been pitching against a high school team, just trying to like yeah. stay sharp and stuff. And I was in there <laughs> facing this, this really impressive blue Jays offense. Um, yeah, no, the Blue Jays are the Blue Jays are a really good team, and I think you know I had a Yankees friend, uh, fan friend who who on, on Twitter was like, the Blue Jays are going to score a lot of runs, but he was wondering aloud about the pitching. Like, what about the Blue Jays pitching? He's not a hundred percent convinced, and I don't think that it's, it's wrong to say that the Blue Jays have three pretty significant question marks in Hyunjin Ryu, mm-hmm. in Yusei Kikuchi, and Nate Pearson. Now, if if those guys are even average, right? So if 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 Hyunjin Ryu pitches at a league average rate, and as does Kikuchi and, and Nate Pearson, even over 130, 140, 160 innings, the Blue Jays are going to win 100 games, right? It's 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 the thing you need to be afraid of with those guys is like fully like like blow up season, like nothing, like if yeah, Hyunjin or like Ryu an injury sudden, or something, an, an injury or like they're so bad that like if if Ryu suddenly just can't get people out. Right. And then like Hyunjin Ryu is, is, is just 
Well, he's got, if he's on the, an injury, like a phantom injury, like, oh, left arm shittiness or shoulder soreness or whatever, just because he can't get anybody out. That's a big problem. If Kikuchi is this kind of sec, the version that we saw in the second half, um, of 2021, uh, and, and Nate Pearson is the same enigma that he's been, that's a problem for the Blue Jays because to even pencil Alec Manoa in to be the same as he was is a bit of a stretch. So there are question marks about this Blue Jays team, but, Though within though within pretty standard error bars of like all those guys, you know, mm-hmm. a pretty standard kind of projection of the Blue Jays still puts them, I think, as the best team in the American League. They're going to score an unbelievable amount of runs, even if again those those three guys pitch at it, four guys even pitch at like a league average rate. Even if all five of them or six of them, if you get league average seasons with a decent amount of innings from Barrios, Gosman, uh, uh, Manoa. Ryu, Kikuchi, and even Pearson. If you if you're taking those six guys and splitting 150 starts or 160 starts between them at, at a at the league average rate, the Blue Jays are going to be fine. I think they they have their defense has improved, which is going to make you know kind of help to solidify some of that 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 pitching, and they're going to score a ton of runs. So I'm I, it's an exciting it's an exciting season on the horizon in Toronto. Is is what I'm saying. Yeah, on, and on I a think Blue Jays podcast, how bold of me. Last year, they had more question marks about the rotation, and they ended up being a 91-win team that didn't even play to their capability for almost the entire first half, I would say. Um, Mm -hmm. They were at least pretty streaky or inconsistent um, in the first half. A lot of that fell on the bullpen. It wasn't completely the bullpen's fault, but certainly um, a lot of losses kind of fell on them, just the way they turned out. But, um, yeah, I think, like, to me, there's less question marks, or I ha- I'm like I'm more certain that this rotation is going to be good than I was necessarily last year because we kind of forget like Robbie Ray was such a huge question mark at this time last year. We were like saying, well, maybe he can be like their number three guy, or maybe best case scenario, if he's their number two, then you know the Blue Jays are laughing like that's great, and then of course he ends up winning the Cy Young. Um, so. You can't predict that there's no, and that was huge for like part of the reason why the Blue Jays rotation was as strong as it was, was partly because of how good Robbie Ray was. I mean, he drove their ERA down as a whole because his performance was so good. Um, and also bringing in Brios at midseason helped that rotation a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Brios is still here. You get him for a whole season. So that should help as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think that this Blue Jays team that exists now, this roster going like if they went into the season completely as this is their roster, they don't acquire another left-handed hitter. They use Greg Bird or whoever else is going in there. Um, Greg Bird. <laughs> he he made my roster. Um, he's on my team, but uh, and uh, I think this team is better than the team that started out last season, right? And so. I think, you know, I, I see them winning at least 91 win, ninety one games, if not more. That's all you can do if you're trying to run a baseball team is be like, let's make our team better than last year unless you win the World Series. But, but or even then, let's, let's start the year with a team that we think is better than the team that we finished, the, the, that, we, that we started last season with. And then, then we can always make those adjustments. If, if you, and I, you and I did not sit here being like, well, I think the Blue Jays are going to trade for Jose Barrios at the trade deadline. Would have been crazy. I yeah. would never have believed that. 
And then, oh, and also they'll trade for Matt Chapman. That one I would have prob- probably believed a little bit more than, <laughs> than, than Barrios. But it is weird, like as an aside, it is weird that like the twins traded Barrios, but then they signed Correa and like now they're going to be good again. It's like, and one of the kind of holes in their entire team is like their rotation. And it's like, mm, maybe you shouldn't have traded your best starter last year. But hey, at least they've got a middle infielder. God knows you can't get those anywhere. <laughs> Sigh. Anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. it's an exciting time. You, you know, you, you said something that that blew my mind. I'm kind of like making. I've been treating this spring training like it's a regular spring training, but you're like, you know, considering opening day is a week from now. I'm like, what is it really? And it is. It's like the end of March. It's almost like there was an extended work stoppage as a result yeah. of an owner imposed lockout. That's wild. But the regular season is bearing right down on us. So now is the time to subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash spin rate. Now is the time to read everything that Caitlin's got to write about what the roster is going to look like, what the Blue Jays are facing on the horizon in 2022. Uh, what do you have on the horizon coming for the people? You got some stuff you're, uh, in the lab there, Caitlin? In my own little um, lab here. Uh, yeah, I have a story on Alec Manoa coming out in a couple of days. Um, King of vibes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I'm heading back down to Dunedin on the weekend. So I will be there for the final week of Grapefruit League action, which is always exciting. Caitlin McGrath, the jet setter, is jumping, hopping ponds, hopping puddles to and fro back to Florida. That's exciting. <laughs> enjoy that. I hope you enjoy that. We will, we will presumably uh, record another show um, between now and when the season starts. So we'll have our grand 2022 season premiere, season preview episode. I'm just I'm putting words in our own mouths here. Yeah, but uh, so look out for Caitlin's story and Alec Manoa. Look out for Caitlin's coverage from Florida. And uh, look out for another episode of Spin Rate sooner rather than later. Until that time, her name is Kate. My name is Drew. We will talk to you next time on Spin Rate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.